so we've all had that frustrating experience where you're watching the big game you've waited all season to see. Or it's the season finale of that reality TV show that you are so into. And right in the middle of the big show, the cable goes out. Or maybe you're somewhere desperately wanting to get a call from home about something you really need updating on. And you look and your cell is not getting a signal. We all know what it's like to be frustrated by a lack of reception. And so let me thank all of you that are visitors for being here and give you context. We started two weeks ago a series called Hearing God. Because we believe the God of the Bible still speaks. It separates the God of the Bible from the other deities worshipped in other world religions. Our God is a talker. And we have a two-way communication with him. And he doesn't just talk to some select few. He's a good father. And so he talks to all of his kids. But we know that we have to learn to hear him. So we've been pursuing hearing God. We've been giving you daily devotionals these last two weeks. uh, And we'll have more for this week. And you've been working those. And you've been in small groups. And you've been reading your scriptures And after two weeks, some of you may be saying, I'm still struggling to get good reception. Don't be discouraged. It is a discipline that takes time. I know that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. But a little lamb does not immediately recognize the voice of the shepherd. He has to learn that voice. And so do we. There's a delightful story about an eccentric Methodist bishop named William Quayle. Who said that he would hear God when he would walk during a rainstorm. And he had a good friend, a preacher in Detroit named Dr. Merton Rice. He said, you should try that. The next time there's a big rainstorm, you should just go out and walk in the rain and see if you can hear from God. And so he tried it. And Bishop Quell asked him, well, did you hear from God? And he said, and I'm walking in that downpour. The only thought coming to me is what a fool I am. And Bishop Quell said, well, how much did you expect to hear the first time? But as we're now three weeks into this study, I think we're at a very important place for us to deal with something. If we're going to hear from God, we're going to have to make sure the receiver is working well. You see, we're operating on the assumption that the transmission is fine, that God speaks and speaks clearly, that the message is understandable. And so if there is a problem in reception, it is on the receiving end. Now, Jesus talked about this a lot. That's why 15 times Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus did not just assume that because you have ears, you are going to hear. Look, for example, at Matthew 13. They hear, but they don't really hear or understand. For the minds of these people have become stubborn. They do not hear with their ears 
and they have closed their eyes. So it's possible then, if we're not getting the reception we want to get, that we might have a hearing problem. In Reader's Digest recently, there was a true story of a man who works for the postal office who said a very irate woman came in to see him. She said she had been out that morning and the mailman had come by and had left a card saying he wanted to deliver a parcel, but no one was home. And so she would have to come to the post office to pick it up. She made it very clear that her husband was in fact home. He had been home all day and he did not hear a thing. So he apologized. He went, he found the parcel. He gave it to her. She said, oh, I'm so glad we've been waiting for this for ages. He said, what is it? She said, it's my husband's new hearing aid. (laughs) You see, it's possible that you haven't given serious thought to the problem that you're not in a position to receive a good signal from God. That you have ears, but you do not hear. Say, how's it possible to not hear with your ears? Listen, every parent can explain that. It is possible for people to listen and not really hear. You see, there's a basic hearing dynamic that every communicator understands, and it's simply this, that the presence of interference means an absence of understanding. It doesn't matter how articulate the speaker is. It doesn't matter how clear the message is. If there is static interrupting the reception, communication won't happen. Now, you have the capacity to hear God because he gave it to you. Because we believe that everything is of grace. God reached out to us. He made the first move to us. He first called us. And by grace, he gave us the possibility of hearing that call. James says in chapter 1, verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So your conversion is evidence of your ability to hear God. You could not be a Christian if you hadn't heard God. You became a Christian because you heard a call from God. But for a lot of Christians, the hearing never improves. In fact, it seems to get worse. And so we have this tragic condition of a lot of believers with Hearing disabilities. Because there's so much static interrupting the reception of the word of God. And this is what James warns us about. After having said that God gave us birth through the word. He gives us some warnings about things that can interfere with what that word should do. Verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Is it possible to have ears and still not hear? Yes, if they're static. And let me tell you what can create static. The first thing James mentions is an arrogant mind. Because it is hard to speak to a person who already knows it all. And do not elbow your mate at this exact moment. (laughs) The humorist Dave Barry writes, I argue very well. Ask any of my friends. I can win an argument on any topic against any opponent. People know this and steer clear of me at parties. Often, as a sign of their great respect, they don't even invite me. (laughs) Because it's simply not pleasant to try to communicate with somebody who already knows everything. So what does James say? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and humbly accept the word planted in you. These are calls for a teachable spirit. Let me illustrate. In the Bible, in Acts 17, Paul goes to two different cities. He goes to Thessalonica, preaches that Jesus is the Messiah. They have no use for that. They're not going to listen to a man talk about a crucified carpenter being their king. And they reject him and drive him out of town. So he goes to another town called Berea. Now watch their attitude, verse 11 of chapter 17. The people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. You see, if you have a haughty spirit, then you're pouring poison on the very seed that God is trying to plant in your heart. Do you have a teachable spirit? I learned very early in my preaching ministry that many people do not. I remember one man that was in constant uh, confrontation with me over my ministry. He was always upset over something I had said because I challenged things he had always believed. And he said to me, and I'll never forget this, I haven't changed my mind on anything in 40 years. And he meant this as a boast. It should have been a confession. You've been in Christ for 40 years and the Holy Spirit hasn't illumined your mind one single time? That's nothing to brag about. Or there was a family that left shortly after I began my preaching ministry. And I asked them why. We don't want to listen to you preach. Have I taught something you don't think is biblical? No. Have I behaved or acted in a way that was immoral? No. Then why don't you want to hear me preach? And the man just said pretty bluntly, because you're 22 and I'm not going to let someone that young teach me the Bible. Now, I was young. But it seems to me if your heart is humble, 
you will let God pour truth into it using whatever vessel he chooses to use. Have you ever considered that Jesus was a humble listener? We have a hard time letting Jesus be human. For example, look at this famous picture. It's called Boy Jesus in the Temple. And it describes or pictures what we typically think of. Jesus in the temple surrounded by the old scholars. He's gesturing. He's lecturing. They're all in awe as he's teaching them. Well, there's no question they were impressed with the young boy's understanding. But here's what the scripture actually says in Luke chapter 2. That after three days, his parents found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Why can't we let Jesus be that human? He learned, grew in knowledge of the word and the knowledge of God by listening. You see, your ears are going to stay empty as long as your head is full of yourself. And if you want to hear from God, you're going to have to be willing to have some old ideas challenged and some new challenges considered. Because an arrogant mind creates static. And so does a disobedient spirit. God does not reason with rebels. So as prophet Isaiah said, chapter 59, verse 2, it's your sins that have cut you off from God because of your sins. He's turned away and will not listen anymore. Now he's not talking about the occasional stumble we all make and repent of. He's talking about habitual, unconfessed, unaddressed sin. It disrupts communication with God. So James says, get rid of all moral filth and humbly accept the word. And it's interesting that the word for filth that he uses was used in the medical community of his day to talk about earwax. Your sin plugs up your hearing so that God's word cannot penetrate. I remember, for example, my freshman year in college, I had a roommate that was a good friend from high school. He was a great guy, but sometimes good friends don't make the best roommates because we had some serious differences regarding our biological clocks. I was a morning person. He was a night person. Now, I started for the first time in my life really taking the Bible seriously. I bought a study Bible. I bought several markered pens, and I was trying to read it every day. I would do one color of pen for uh, commands of God, another color for encouraging words from God, another color for doctrines of God. I don't know if I learned anything. I had the prettiest Bible on campus. (laughs) But it's the night before a big test, and I want to go to sleep so I can wake up and be ready. My roommate's just cranking up the music, and he's just getting ready to go. He won't turn the lights off. We have an exchange of words, and then I end the argument with something spiritual. I go, shut up. I'm just going to go read my Bible. (laughs) And so how much truth 
was able to penetrate a spirit that wrong. You see, sin is going to plug up your ears while letting you have the illusion that you're listening when you're not. So some of us, we've got to pull some weeds to make room for the seed of the Word of God. In fact, as a preacher and a pastor now for over 30 years, let me share with you one of my biggest frustrations. Why people who are living in clear disobedience to the revealed Word of God could be frustrated at his lack of guidance in the area of their life less clear. Let me illustrate. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, it's God's will for you to be holy, to stay away from all sexual sin. There's no ambiguity here. God created sex as a gift to seal a covenant between a man and a woman in marriage, period. If you're having sex outside of that covenant of marriage, if you're dealing and constantly trafficking in porn, why would you get frustrated that God won't give you guidance, say, about where you should go to college or should you have a career change? Why should you be frustrated that God won't give you revelation in an area that's not clear when you won't obey God in an area that he made perfectly clear? Or, next chapter, 5 verse 18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We live in a culture that complains so much. I'm convinced if Paul wrote Galatians today in the chapter where he lists the works of the flesh, he would have included whining. (laughs) If you are a negative person, constantly obsessed with the little you don't have and you don't see the great amount of blessing you do have, why would you expect God to give you guidance in the area of your finances or an area in your family? When you so clearly won't do what he's already made clear he wants you to do. Some of us, to clear up the static, need to wash our ears. Because God does not speak to the disobedient spirit. And one more thing. And I think this is where we struggle the most. I think this is the one that most of us wrestle with most often. A flippant will. The single biggest cause of static for most Christians is our tendency to put God on call waiting. In other words, we often treat a word from the Lord as something we are free to respond to If we want to and when we want to. James already talked about this attitude earlier in the chapter. He says, some of you want wisdom? Well, ask God for it. But then he gives this warning in verse 6. A person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. Such a person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided. 
between God and the world. So if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this one line. God does not speak to be heard. He speaks to be obeyed. You see, young people, when your parents told you to clean up your room and you didn't, and then they say, did you not hear me? They're not asking if sound waves still penetrate your ears to the brain. They're asking, why didn't you do what I asked you to do? So James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James says the word is like a mirror. Now, when you woke up this morning, you had two options for determining what you look like. One is a photograph. You could have gotten out of bed, gone and looked at yourself in a photograph and said, my, I'm looking good. Let's go to church. (laughs) Or you could have gotten out of bed and gone to a mirror and said, oh my, we got work to do. The Word of God is a mirror showing you what you need to do. But I've learned some are not so interested in hearing God as they are in having God endorse what they've already decided they're going to do. And you can't hear God with predetermined boundaries. You cannot hear God if you say, God, here's the box. Speak inside this box and I'll all in. But don't get outside this box because I don't want to go there. Let me show you a verse from Exodus chapter 24 that I think helps illustrate how the faith that we so often practice in the Western church is not necessarily the what faith meant in Scripture. Moses is speaking to the people in chapter 24, verse 7 of Exodus. He says, he took the book of the command, the book of the covenant. He read it aloud to the people. And again, they all responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. The interesting thing is the Hebrew word there for obey was the word shema, hear. What they literally said is, we will do it and we will hear it. We think, no, wait a second, you got that backwards. First you got to hear it, then you got to do it. But you see, to the Hebrew mind, if you don't do it, then you didn't hear it. Shema. It was how they started every day. The prayer, Shema, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Shema meant you pledge allegiance. Shema meant you made a commitment. Shema meant you got up off the couch and you got into the game. In their mind, if you don't do it, you didn't hear it. That faith is not just mentally agreeing, intellectually recognizing something God said. That hearing is acting on the word received. I think it explains why 
Sometimes someone will say to me, Rick, I don't know what it is, but man, lately you've just taken your preaching to a whole new level. You're just preaching so much better than you've ever preached. Well, I appreciate that, but here's what's often happening. What's often happening is they've had a reconversion. They've had a coming back to God, and they're hearing better than they've ever heard because they have finally started living what I might have been preaching for a long time. One of the people in our church that I think hears God as clearly as any I know is one of my coworkers. Her name is Jenny New. And one reason I think Jenny hears the Lord so clearly is because Jenny has given the Lord permission to say things that are uncomfortable. She told me the story. It was her day to do hospital visits. And as she's driving toward the hospital, she gets a clear impression from the Lord to go visit a widow in our church who had gotten reports that her cancer had gotten much worse. Now, this particular widow had a prickly personality. She was not a pleasant person to visit. And this is the day Jenny's supposed to be going to the hospitals. And that's, of course, the Lord's work. So she just went right past the exit to the widow's house. But the Lord impressed upon her again, turn the car around and go see that widow. So she did, not even knowing what she was going to say. She walked up the steps. The lady opened the door. Why are you here? And Jenny said, well, we heard that your cancer has gotten worse. She was invited in for a couple of minutes of awkward chit-chat when the woman said again, Jenny, why are you here? And it just came out. Jenny said, because I'm afraid you're dying alone. She said, well, that's quite a thing to say to a sick lady. But then she said, but last night when I got into bed, I said to the Lord, well, it looks like I'm going to have to do this all by myself. Just like I've had to do everything else. And Jenny moved closer and said, I would be glad to do this with you. And she did. Some of you treat the word of God like an auditor. You know, an auditor in college, they don't pay full tuition. Because they're not taking the course for credit. They go and they listen to the lectures, but they don't read the textbooks. They don't write the papers. They don't take the test. And they don't learn as much. And so if you want to improve your hearing, the prayer that you pray every day is Psalm 40, verse 8. My God, I want to do what you want. Your teachings are in my heart. And you will start to get a word from the Lord. When the word of the Lord starts to get you. You see, I believe God speaks to those who have already decided to say yes. But there is no sure revelation to those who are not sure of their obedience. I don't think anything will clear up static Between you and God's will, like your professed willingness. Last November the 5th, Derek brought us 
was in Knoxville, Tennessee at his frat house, lying on the couch, waiting for the Tennessee volunteer football game to begin in less than an hour when cell phone went off. He answered the phone. He was told a police escort was coming to pick him up. You see, young Derek had tried out for the Tennessee football team as a place kicker. Well, he didn't make the team. I think you'll see his picture here. He uh, was on the couch, not knowing that on Thursday, the first string kicker had gotten injured and was out. In warm-ups, an hour before the game, the second string kicker pulled a hamstring. They have no kicker. The coach said, call Derek, get him here. The police picked him up. Sirens blazing, rushed him to the stadium. He's putting on shoulder pads while the trainers are stretching out his legs. He goes out, plays, kicks three extra points, one field goal. The volunteers win 24 nothing. He gets the game ball. Not because he got a call, but because when he got the call, he got up off the couch and joined the game. One more story. This past Tuesday night, my wife and I had the privilege of attending a dinner to raise funds for a wonderful ministry called Pregnancy Help for You that we're supporting next weekend in Servant Weekend Offerings. It's a ministry to young women helping them to decide to carry their babies and not abort them. And the speaker was Mrs. Pam Tebow, the mother of the famous football player. And she told this story that when Tim was quarterback at the University of Florida, They had an undefeated season. They're going to the national championship game. Now, all season, he's put an eye black under his eyes. Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's about to be on the largest stage of his life. He said he got a strong impression from God to change the message under his eyes to John 3, 16. Now, he told his coaches and his teammates... And they said, no, don't do it. They didn't even know what Philippians 4.13 said. But they were superstitious. We're undefeated with Philippians 4.13. Don't change it. But he told his parents, I just got this strong call of God to put John 3.16 on my face. And so that's what he did. And they won the game. And afterwards, reporters asked him about the change. And he quoted John 3.16, which meant papers all over America quoted John 3.16. But the most amazing thing Mrs. Tebow said, the next several days, Google reported 94 million hits on John 3, 16. It is just amazing what God can do through the life of someone who's already decided to say yes. Do you want... To hear God, then pray, my God, I want to do what you want. You tell him you're ready to obey and to hear. So let's pray about that. Father, I'm asking now in Jesus' name that you increase our desire and capacity to have a dynamic two-way relationship with you where we don't just talk to you but we hear you speak to us and and for some of us God this is just the start of a journey we've got a long way to go but help us want to get there 
Even now, God, I believe some who are hearing this message are hearing from you. You're calling some to get baptized today, to take that step and go public for Jesus. You're calling some to repent of a sin they have tolerated way too long. You're calling some of us to get up off the couch and start living what we profess. But Father, there's all that static. And it's on our end. So help us decide right now to clear it up to want to hear to want to step into the life that you're calling us to help each heart right now God say maybe for the first time ever I really do want to do what you want help us to do and help us to hear in Jesus name Amen So please stand. Prayer teams are down the front to receive you for baptism, for prayer, for anything that you feel like you need to do to take that step in the direction of obeying the call of God.